Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Happy to be with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Of course, we got all the guys, John and Roger, Neil, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, how are you? Great. Great, Bob. Thanks. How are you doing? Good. Always catching up with, good catching up with you. Looking forward to another week. And this week, we're going to talk about all things space, space aliens. UFOs. How do we look at all that? You know, these incredible images have been coming out from the James Webb uh, telescope. NASA's been showing these. We've seen the Hubble images, but uh, these new images from this uh, super souped-up expensive telescope is showing us deep space in a really powerful way. And just the the massive amounts of God's creation and, of course, all of these uh, all of these galaxies and such. So we don't even know to this day how many galaxies there are in the universe. We really don't. Which, by the way, interestingly enough, uh, Scripture says the amount of stars are innumerable, immeasurable. Uh, and at the time, conventional wisdom was, oh, well, come on, we can figure out how many stars there are because they just assumed that whatever the naked eye saw, that's what there was. Well, of course, even now, 2022, with all this technology, we still don't have a clue how many galaxies there are, let alone how many stars there are. But the images have been fascinating to look at. And, and there's a couple of different things that come to mind when I when I see these images. One of them is just the crystal clarity that we're able to see. And interestingly enough, on a side note, pardon me while I put my apologist hat on, uh, the big bangers who say that the universe is 13.8 billion years old, uh, if the universe is that old, it should have what's called a type of foam. With all of the collected space dust and everything else in the universe, uh, we should be seeing a blurred or pixelated effect as light uh, is refracted and kind of pixelated traveling through all of this so-called foam. And even uh, even evolutionary uh, peer-reviewed science journals I've reported on my show point this out, that this is puzzling and confusing to Big Bang cosmology because they say we shouldn't be able to see with crystal clarity across the universe if it's billions of years old. Of course, creation scientists say, hey, if God created the universe fresh about 6,000 years ago, we would expect it to look clean like this and clear and crisp as we do. But I, I set that aside. I just had to get that off my chest. But one of the things that I've been hearing from a lot of people, I know you guys have as well, is when the universe is this vast, can we really be the only life in the entire universe? Well, NASA recently, earlier this year, they hired 24 theologians to examine what the religious implications would be if alien life, and I'm not talking about north of the Mexico border, I'm talking about space alien life, if it were ever discovered. And so we're going to explore that. We're going to explore the idea of space aliens. Is there life on other planets? Uh, would there be anything biblically wrong with that? Is there anything scientifically wrong with that? What do we think about this? Let's kind of go around the table and talk about it. I'll give you guys a heads up right now. I don't think there's any life on any other planets whatsoever. I think we are the only life outside of the angelic realm and the spiritual realm. I do not believe that Belzadar and the Gamma Quadrant lives anywhere in the universe. I think it's us, our unique relationship with God that we see in Scripture. But let's kind of start there and go around the table and see what everybody thinks. I mean, uh, John, John Rush, Rush to Reason, of course, out of Denver, Colorado. I don't know. What do you think, John? Yeah, I'm on on your end of that. Uh, I we had this conversation numerous times on my program, and it's funny where sure. you know people can come in from all different walks of life, and this isn't a, by the way, a right and a left issue. It's not even a you know Christian versus non-Christian issue. There there are different schools of thought on this on both sides of the aisle. I I'm on your side, Bob. I just I guess I, I look at things in a very realistic manner. I, I read scripture that way. I look at all the things that are there. I, I just don't feel like 
And I know other Christians would say, well, but you don't know there's another world out there that God, you know, did all of this all over again somewhere else. Um, I, I, I just don't, I don't know, Bob, I guess in my world, I just don't see that. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. We have yet, even after all of this time, yet to see any kind of quote-unquote life form out there. And frankly, I don't think we ever will because it's not there. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Uh, and, Roger and by the way, Marsh, really, quick, really, yes. really quick side note. Yeah. If some of the Christians that say, well, you know, what if God did this, you know, quote-unquote experiment somewhere else? Well, wouldn't there be a completely, totally new universe somewhere else? And if you don't think God can do that, then you're serving the wrong God. Right. I mean, God is God. Right. He can do anything he wants. Thank and you. And uh, Roger, let me ask you, Roger Marsh, of course, of the bottom line, the People's Republic of California. Uh, it is true. God is God. God can do whatever he wants to. If God wants to create life on another planet somewhere, He's certainly capable of doing that, but I'll be honest with you, Roger, I would be shocked if he did because not just from matters of physics and science and some things like that that I'll mention in a little bit, but even from a biblical perspective, I guess I would be really surprised if God did create life on other planets based on what I read in Scripture. But what's your take? You're a pastor. What's your take? Well, I take a look at this passages in Scripture and i totally echo what John and you have said about this whole issue, too. If you look at Psalm 8, you know, for example, when we talk about, you know, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, and that what is mankind that you're mindful of us? I mean, you know, human beings mm-hmm. that you care, and you've set us a little lower than the angels, and you've given us dominion over all this stuff. I mean, it does, it seems rather odd to me that God would, I mean, obviously, is God capable? God can do whatever he wants to, so there's no, there's right. no question about that. But would he you know, or has he? You know, I think that's that's the larger question. And here it's pretty remarkable that we have, you know, taken, as the evolutionists would say, 13.8 billion years to figure this out. I was reading an article, I think it was in The Guardian, you know, one of those 50-50 balls when it comes to reliability of media reporting, that said now they're thinking about rethinking evolution because they have to keep pushing it out further to match the narrative. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to retool the narrative once again. And isn't it nice to have a quote-unquote narrative that we don't have to retool? God is God. He's creator of all, you know, universe, heavens, and the earth, you, me, all of us, and he can do whatever he wants to. And in the, it just makes me more amazed at how wonderful God is and how honored we are to be in his presence, that he did what he did to rescue us from sin and death, to make that relationship available to us, and then to say, okay, now let me blow you away a little bit, just a foretaste of, you know, what you're going to experience for all of eternity with me. I, I think the what we're seeing, the images are just spectacular. I think also <laughs> believe that when it comes to the different life forms and this, that, and the other thing, is it a possibility? It makes for a great sci-fi movie. Is it a reality? I don't believe it is. Yeah, I don't think it is either. And, of course, we want to get our other resident pastor, Neil Boron, in on this. And we're going to in just a moment. But uh, before we go back out into space, let's come back down here to planet Earth and talk about something that's really important. You know, Roe v. Wade's been overturned, which is great, but abortion is still legal in a lot of this country, folks. And that's why we ask you to partner with Preborn to help stop abortion, save babies' lives. Now, a lot of you have already, and we're very thankful of that. Those of you that have called Preborn and said, yes, I will donate money to save babies' lives. For the rest of you, if you haven't done yet, that, done that yet, would you do that now? Now, let me explain. Preborn is a pro-life ministry. They've been around for a long time, and they partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America to save babies' lives. And they do this by showing ultrasound images of babies to those expectant moms. And you know, when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, do you know she chooses life 80% of the time? 80%. Uh, that's why Preborn, just last year alone, was responsible for saving the lives of nearly 44,000 babies. Think about that. And you know, along the way, there was just under 8,000 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ among these women. So here's what it boils down to, folks. It takes, on average, $28 to save one baby's life. $28 stops one abortion. We're asking everybody in the audience to save 10 babies' lives, I'm asking you for $280 right now. Would you donate one time $280 to Preborn? It's a tax write-off for you. Here's all you got to do. Give them a call right now at 833-850-BABY. Even if you're listening to us right now in the middle of the night, doesn't matter. They answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So call now 833-850-BABY. We'd also 
I uh, also encourage you to uh, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, okay, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, and click on the tab that says to help save babies, donate now. All right, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, to help save babies, donate now. Let's save some of these babies' lives, folks. So this is an incredible ministry, but we need you all to be involved in this. As we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, we're talking about uh, space aliens. We're talking about life on other planets. We're talking about the universe, you know, the James Webb telescope and NASA's images that we're seeing of deep space, which are really incredible to look at. Uh, Neil, let me ask you, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, we've been talking about whether there's life on other planets. God is God. He can do what he wants. But I'll be honest with you, Neil, I, I would be surprised if God did create life on other planets. Uh, it just it doesn't seem to fit the narrative of what we see in Scripture regarding God, his unique relationship with us, the purpose of creating the heavens in the in the first place for us to behold his glory. Uh I don't know, Neil, it just it seems to me there's some problematic issues here. And I guess one of the biggest issues for me is the issue of sin and Jesus dying for our sins. Because Scripture, Neil, and you're a pastor, so you can attest to this. Scripture tells us that all of creation was affected by what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's all of creation. Uh, so that means that all those places out there in the distant universe... They are also affected. They are also subject to decay, uh, which means it seems odd that Belzadar in the Gamma Quadrant is being affected by what Adam and Eve did here on planet Earth in the Garden of Eden. And then did Jesus go die for their sins as well? Well, I have a hard time believing that. Scripture says he died once and for all. Uh, and so, therefore, would sin not have entered some other world? If that's the case, Scripture is wrong, too. So it just seems to me... Other than the angelic and spiritual realm, Neil, we are it. But what are your thoughts? Well, I'm tempted to just say what he said, because those are a lot of my thoughts. Um, I agree with where you're going with that. Um, by the way, I just saw my first Marvel movie last week. I took five of my nieces and nephews to see it. And so okay. you know, this whole thing is um, <clears throat> all of these thoughts about science fiction and other worlds and superheroes and whatever, aliens, like... It's never been a huge fashion, fascination to me. I am fascinated by the concept of eternity because I can't, for the life of me, wrap my brain around the idea that God has no beginning and he has no end. That, you right. know, we're, we're finite. We, everything we know has limits and boundaries. So the idea maybe that space is limitless is also mind-bending. I, mean, I realize there's arguments about may, why it maybe isn't, but then again, if God's eternal, why couldn't space be limitless? Because God is limitless, so I don't know. But um, it, I'm 100% in agreement on the issue of um, you know the incarnation of Jesus, really, because the this whole idea about NASA, by the way, I just want to mention, some of the research I was doing on it was indicating that this gathering of 24 theologians and stuff actually happened in 2016 or 17. There may have been a more recent meeting that you're referring to, but anyway, that a guy named uh, Dr. Andrew Davison was a part of it. He's a He's got a doctorate in biochemistry from Oxford, and he recently wrote a book called Astrobiology and Christian Doctrine. And his take on that is that he wanted to explore the question, you know, what's going to happen when Christians or theologians or people begin to find out that there may have been many incarnations of Christ. And I think what he's getting to there is exactly what you just referred to, that if sin exists, then God need, Jesus needed to redeem it and maybe therefore had to appear on other planet Earth somewhere else in the universe, you know, to redeem those places as well. I, I don't believe so, believe so for the simple reason that Christ died once for all. Uh, right. He died to redeem uh, the lostness of mankind and the lostness of creation, that he died to defeat the power of death, hell, and the grave. And the word is clear, you know, that, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save sinners. So I don't think that Jesus, over the millennia, has spent time going to individual planets to redeem them as well. He came here once to handle what was necessary, and that was to redeem us, human beings, who were hopelessly lost in our sin. So I, I don't believe for a minute that... You know that that there were many incarnations of Christ. Let me also say, I know that God is so much bigger than us. Our ways are not His. His ways are past mm -hmm. finding out. The Word of God says so. If, if there is some single-celled organism on some planet somewhere out there in the universe, 
then so be it. And that's fascinating. I guess we get to find out about that when we get to heaven. But for whatever reason, God has not made any mention of that in his word. And it's something we that either doesn't exist or we're not privy you know, to that kind of information because he didn't want to tell us about it. You know, Neil, what if, and this is a an unfair hypothetical, but what if some kind of Independence Day movie thing happened where, you've got to be kidding me, we're all standing there with our jaws open, here's the giant alien spacecraft, and they're coming down there telling us live long and prosper, and, and we realize there is actually life on other planets, and they have visited us and unambiguously communicated with us uh, in that way. What would that do theologically? Obviously, it would not, I mean, it wouldn't shake my faith in Christ. My trust would be in him. But i got to be honest with you, it would really scramble my understanding of interpreting Scripture because then I'd have to be like, okay, well, then all of creation wasn't affected by the fall. And if all of creation was affected by the fall, then Jesus would have had to have died on on Calvary on planet Earth for Mr. Spock and Chewbacca and and that to me I have difficulty with as well so I it wouldn't affect my faith and trust in Christ Neil but it it would sure send me back to the drawing board as far as understanding and interpreting scripture what what do you think what would happen to the body of Christ if that happened well I think we'd be thrown for a loop but I also think it's never going to happen because it's clear yeah. that God created the heavens and the earth not earths um, Isaiah 40, verse 22 says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Um, so, I mean, I'm fine with the speculation aspect. Like, what if? And maybe we should ask ourselves those kind of questions. But I also want to mention that I think there's a distraction factor that comes in. And what I'm getting at mm-hmm. is, I think the enemy is super pleased. By the way, I have no problem having these kind of discussions here. But I don't think we should dwell on it long term. I think the human right. mind wants to wonder. But the point is... Satan would love for us to be distracted by the possibility that maybe there's a single-cell organism on some, you know, other Earth that's a multi-billion light years away from here and, and focus all of our attention on that when other realities exist. Like, there's life in the womb uh, at conception, human life in the womb that we don't want to pay attention to, or that maybe we one day would need to get in a spaceship and go to one of those places to bring the message of Jesus, like intergalactic missionaries, when the reality is most of us haven't shared Christ with our own neighbor. So I kind of think the enemy revels in the idea that we get off track and miss the message that's that in the vastness of this incredible universe, and by the way, I've only seen a few of those pictures, but they're remarkable, that in the mm-hmm. vastness of all this stuff, so awe-inspiring, that on this tiny little planet called Earth, God created human beings in his likeness, and because of our own sin and rebellion against him, chose to come and fix that. Like, he could have said, well, that's no big problem. It's just one little planet in the middle of everything I created. Who cares? No, he wanted us to be redeemed so we could know him and love him and love others, reflect his love to others. And so he came to fix the problem. And that actually ought to inspire even more awe, that in the middle of all of that, God knows who we are. He recognizes us. He loves us, wants to know us, and did everything possible to redeem us. And by the way, can I just and you know, amen to that, certainly. Uh, I can tell you right now, if, uh, if there were some microorganism discovered on Mars, I guarantee you the headlines from the pro-abortion media would say, life discovered on Mars, but they don't consider that unborn baby sucking his thumb life. So, you know, go figure that out. But uh, we're going to talk some more about this. Before we do, though, when we talk about the unborn, I just want to remind everybody, and we're going to keep on reminding you, we need you to donate to preborn to save some babies' lives. All right? Don't forget, $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion to save one baby's life. This is what Preborn does, partnering with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America, okay? But it takes money to do this. It takes money to show ultrasound images to these moms so that they choose life and let their babies live. So this is what we're asking of all of you in the audience. Number one, if you're financially well-off, maybe God has blessed you, maybe you own a business and you'd like a nice tax write-off for it, $15,000 one time, $15,000, buys one ultrasound machine that will save thousands of babies' lives. Wouldn't that be a great legacy for your family or for your business? And 100% of the proceeds go to save babies' lives, no overhead, and uh, it's all tax write-off for you. So would you donate $15,000 to buy one ultrasound machine for preborn? And then for all the rest of everybody... 
we need you to donate $280 to save 10 babies' lives. Now, if you could do more than that, great, do more than that. But we're asking everybody to do 280, 10 babies' lives. And here's how easy it is. Just go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And click on the tab that says to help save babies, donate now. And if you will do that, uh, you can save a baby's life right now. Ten babies' lives, actually. And you can also call the toll-free number 833-850-BABY. All right, 833-850-BABY. Uh, do that right now, 24-7, they answer the phones that are ready for your call. All right, but let's save some babies' lives. Right now, talk about the NASA images of deep space, how fascinating they are. And speculating on uh, life on other planets, we're all in agreement. There's no life on other planets. I don't believe there is at all. God could have put life on other planets, but if he did, it seems to me there'd be all kinds of problems biblically with that. And Roger, I want to ask you, Roger Marsh, of course, uh, the bottom line out of California. You know, I've had listeners say to me before, and you probably have too, but Bob, with all the vastness of the universe uh, and the trillions and trillions of galaxies, let alone how many stars, let alone how many planets, uh, do you really believe that we would be all there is, the only life? Why would God have all of those empty planets out there that are just empty, that are even invisible to the naked eye? And my response has always been this. And so I just want to throw this on the table, and then I'm going to toss it over to you, Roger. Uh, I've said to these callers, look, if I took a grain of sand off the beach and I put that grain of sand under an electron microscope and with a special laser, I etched the name Bob on that grain of sand and then I tossed that grain of sand back on the beach. Does anybody believe that there's going to be another grain of sand with Roger etched on it or Neil uh, or John? The answer is no. And then I say, well, wait. In all the vastness of the beaches and all the beaches of the earth and all the trillions of grains of sand, 99.9% of which have never been seen by human eyes, you're going to tell me that they're all empty? And it's like, yes, that's right. The, uh, it, it takes a purposeful act to etch a name on one of them, just like it takes a purposeful act for God to put life on planet Earth as he did. I see all of those trillions and trillions of planets that are out there that are empty as God's cosmic beach, his heavenly grains of sand. This is part of his creative glory. No matter how big our telescopes get, we're never going to get to the end of his creative glory and majesty. And so to me, it's not shocking at all that God would have trillions and trillions of planets out there uh, that, that fill up his universe that he created uh, for us to behold his glory, even though we haven't seen 99.999% of them, and we never will, just like we will never see 99.999% of the grains of sand or pieces of dirt on planet Earth either. So what? This is all part of God's creation. There's stuff microscopically, Roger, that we still haven't seen and we may never see. So I, to me, the vastness of the universe is an illogical argument to say that God must have created life out there somewhere else. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, it's kind of the same way when our grandkids come to visit the house. You know, I mean, they, they get to explore as much as they can comprehend. But there are certain places that's not any part of their business because, quite frankly, that wasn't created mm -hmm. for them. I mean, at that moment right now, that's what they get to experience. And so the fact that, uh, you know, when you look at the creation story, take a look at Genesis 1 and see the order of the way God created the heavens and the earth. The God, you know, light and day and dark, day and night and all those things that he created for his glory. And then the Trinity says, hey, you know what? Let's create mankind in our image. Why? Because we want to. You know, I mean, so what What right do we have to take a look with our finite brains at what God is creating? If he wants, you know, how many gazillions of universes and this, that, and the other thing, that's entirely his. All the more reason to kind of point back to what Neil was talking about earlier, saying if this is the, if this is the way God has created things, you know, this is the way God has set things up, then we need to be a lot more in awe of him, you know, as opposed to, I think, sometimes the way we kind of westernize our view of God, which is, man, I'm having a great day, so God must be amazing. Instead of saying God created 33 gazillion universes, so God's even more amazing, and that's only the ones that we can see from the web. I mean, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's right. we're kind of just standing here in awe and wonder and, and literally awe, you know, what an awesome God is because all we could do is sit here and go, right. uh, you know, and, and, and that's the beauty of it. So I love your grain of sand analogy because it really does perfectly encapsulate 
um, who we are in the grand scheme of things, who God is in the grand scheme of things, and then to Neil's point, um, you know, about the evangelistic side, why is it then that we, who serve such an awesome, wonderful God, um, spend so little time talking about him with our neighbors, with our friends, with people who don't know? Why do we spend such a small amount of time uh, defending him in the public square? Because we just want to get along because we don't want someone to, you know, fine us for not wearing a mask or not getting a jab or, you know, whatever the heck, the, <laughs> whatever the big issue is, right, at this point. Right. It does, I mean, we're having a good chuckle about this right now because when you look at this in the grand scheme of things, it does seem as insignificant as maybe a grain of sand that may or may not have someone's name on it. Yep, right, really that's a good point. You know, we only got about about a minute to the break at the bottom of the hour, but uh, John Rush, Rush to Reason, real quick, uh, your thoughts on this in our last uh, 30, 40 seconds here. What, would it do anything to your faith if somehow life were discovered out there? But I'd, I'd be very, very shocked if it was. Uh, let's just say this. I'm not going to spend any time thinking about it, worrying about it, and I guess if it happens, <laughs> I'll deal with it then. But uh, honestly, guys, I just – and I appreciate all of what Neil and Roger said. You guys are spot on. Uh, really, I, I have nothing to add to what those two said. I mean, and, and to your point, Bob, no, I, I, I'm is not that thought is not crossing my mind. Let's just say that. Right. Although I, I, I do have to admit, it is fascinating for me to look out into space and to see God's creation. Agreed. But not in any kind of oh, I wonder if there's life out there. I mean, these guys are absolutely right. Uh, we got people that don't know the Lord right here on the earth, and you know something? Uh, there are no Romulans or Vulcans out there uh, that need to know Jesus Christ. Uh, they don't exist. God didn't create them. But what about UFOs? What do we do with the UFOs? What do you do with some of these sightings that seem to defy the laws of physics? Uh, this does become an argument for alien life, a Christian perspective on UFOs. We're going to address that head-on in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And remember, you can listen to this podcast at crawfordmediagroup.net. If if you don't get the second half on your regular radio, listen online, crawfordmediagroup.net, or of course, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We love your five-star reviews. Thank you so much. And if you want to watch a video of this podcast, you can do that at myhopenow.com. What about UFOs? We're going to address that in the second half coming up. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing now with the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all the guys, myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco show out of Detroit, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. We've been talking about the NASA images, the new images of deep space and how beautiful these images are. First half of the podcast, we speculated on whether there would be life on other planets. We're all in agreement. Nope. God created us. That's it. Uh, but what do we do with the issue of UFOs? So, John, I want to start with you on this. But before we do, I want to tell you guys a, a quick little anecdote, my own quote-unquote UFO story. I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before. No, I may have. have. Okay. I have never heard when of I was a t- When I was a teenager, I lived on a farm. Now, what is it about farms? I don't know. Space aliens seem to love the farms. <laughs> but... I lived on a farm. I'm a teenager uh, with my mom and my stepdad, my uh, brother and my stepbrother, and I'm out about 1030 at night and I'm walking the dog. Now, I wasn't a Christian, wasn't raised in a Christian family yet, except of the Lord at 19. But so there I am out walking the dog. And true story, I wasn't on drugs or anything like that. Suddenly, there was this massive white light. It was so bright, I couldn't see, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And it lasted about five or six seconds, and it was blinding white. And I'm like, what in the world is that? And then the light went away. I'm looking around, and I look up. Guys, there's no way to describe it. It was uh, it, it was kind of the, the old cigar shaped, but it wasn't fatter in the middle. It was more elongated. Uh, it looked like it was about cloud level, although it was a clear night, uh, and it had red and white lights on it. And I'm just looking at that, and my jaw's open, and I'm like, no way am I seeing this. So I'm looking, and it hovered above me for probably 10, 15 seconds as I'm just staring at it. And then it took off across the horizon. And I mean, if you ever watch Star Trek, you know when Picard says warp nine, and it's like, whoosh, it's gone. Okay, that fast. I would say a fraction of a fraction of a second. It, that's it. It's gone over the horizon. And, you know, I was always interested in science. And I thought to myself, this isn't physically possible. The laws of physics would not allow this. Uh, first of all, if there were any 
aliens or carbon-based life form in that, the G's would have been so incredible that it would have it would have incinerated uh, anything to move that fast through our atmosphere. Secondly, there was no sonic boom. There would have to be some kind of a sonic boom. Uh, for the and it wasn't there was no trail there was no burn trail in the atmosphere nothing like that at all so th- to me the laws of physics say this was not an actual real physical object that was uh, that was uh, that I was looking at uh, plain and simple especially after I became a Christian John I realize this is nothing more than demonic trickery Satan and his demons are a master of disguise and they try to trick us and fool us with all kind of stuff whether it's ghosts and haunted houses whether it's good luck bad luck whether it's tarot card reading it's all the same Satan and his demons behind these different masks and to me John one of them is the whole idea of UFOs and space aliens a Satan can get us interested in the paranormal, chasing after it, chasing after space aliens. Uh, We go away from God, away from his word, away from scripture, and chasing after the Klingons. Uh, it, it undermines biblical creation. I, I see this as nothing more than demonic trickery, and that's what I think Satan or his demons were doing. They were creating an image to make me think that, uh, hey, there's life on other planets and head me down that paranormal road of interest. That's my personal opinion. John, I'd love to get your take and maybe your thoughts on what it is that I saw and experienced. Well, and I I think you just gave a great description of what some, I say some because not all people see the same things that you've even seen there. You know, I'm one that's, I've never seen a UFO, which again, let's make sure we, we you know, state the meaning there, unidentified right flying object right. i also if i throw her if i throw my shoe at you and you're like what is that that was a ufo that's right as soon right. as you identify it it becomes an fo there okay, you go or an ifo there you right. go anyway i'm sorry go ahead no i and, and i i also am one and and i you guys know me i'm not a tinfoil hat guy at all but i do believe that we've got some things that probably have been in development in the you know, space slash military end of things for quite some time. And are there certain things people see at times that could be, you know, advanced technology that we've got militarily speaking and so on? Guys, I don't have an answer to that, but there's times you wonder, is this just a a test flight, uh, you know, through, you know, whatever government agency there is and so on? And I know that sounds a little conspiratorial, but what you saw, though, Bob, in that particular description, no sonic boom, you can't hear anything flying above you, all of that. Yeah, I think your description of that is is probably, it would not probably, it's correct. I, I do feel like uh, Satan can do all sorts of things to the mind. He can do things even physically when he wants to. Uh, he can do a lot of things to trick us, and he is the master deceiver. Let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. It is his whole goal to deceive the entire world's population at any given moment. That is, you know, it, it, Scripture talks about it. He roams around seeking who he can devour. That is his number one goal in life. I mean, I think at times, and I know we talk about it here on the podcast some, but I think, guys, we need to remind everybody that there is a battle for our souls. There is good and there is evil. And the evil side is doing every single thing they possibly can to grab the soul of each and every one of us. Absolutely. Roger, let me get your take. Uh, Roger Marsh, of course. I think John's absolutely right that sometimes... These UFO sightings, I do think that there's something in the natural happens. Quite frankly, I would argue that the overwhelming majority of so-called UFO sightings that people claim are some kind of natural thing. It's either, yeah, the weather balloon, the helicopter, the plane, and then they let their imagination fill in gaps. And by the time they told the story 10 times, they they supplemented it, they, they, they exaggerated it. Now it's become true, and they saw something more than they actually really did. I honestly think that's what it is most of the time. Yeah. I do think that there's also some military experiments that maybe some people see. So that's what I think it is most of the time. But every once in a while, Roger, there are things that happen. These these fighter pilots that are like, hey, look at these these orbs, these these light orbs that are flying so fast, they're hovering, and then suddenly they take sharp 90-degree turns. Uh, and again, there's no sonic boom. There's no uh, atmospheric burn. There's n- It defies the laws of physics what is happening, just like what I saw. Uh, on that farm. So when things like this happen, it seems to me 
that uh, that we have to recognize this is nothing more than demonic trickery, uh, that it's certainly not space aliens from another planet. But uh, what do you take and what's your take on some of these UFO sightings that appear to be quote unquote credible, Roger? Yeah, well, they appear to be credible, and they're as credible as as much as we know how to measure them, you know, mark them, categorize them, that type of stuff. Because let's face it, I mean, when you consider what our vision, what happens in our minds, the fact that mm-hmm. we, our brain has to kind of fill in part of our vision because even our natural vision isn't actually 100% accurate. So that happens right. in the spiritual world all the time. You know, I mean, something like what you saw, what other people see, our brain immediately kind of goes into that, I've got to make sense of it type of function. And so uh, we'll, we'll start assigning different values to certain things and i totally get it i for for if for no other reason i want to oversimplify this but i i really resonate with you and john are saying about the demonic and the you know the spiritual realm let's face it i mean scripture tells us that our war is not against flesh and blood i mean the real battle is happening mm-hmm. in the spiritual realm and so toward mm-hmm. that end when this type of thing manifests itself we can get so distracted with the what was that flying saucer it looked like a dish it looked like a this it looked like a that instead of taking it for what it really is is oh there's another demonic distraction and it's yet another right. reminder of the fact that in the spiritual realm that's where the real battle is taking place and it's amazing i mean we see this in in the headlines all four of us do with the programs that we cover people can get so distracted on one little nuanced part of a much larger issue and it's our job to kind of help bring the macro to the micro without missing the micro parts and so this is yet an, another ex- example of that so I, I i you don't want to get too hung up on it but at the same time i think it's important for us to uh, to speak to it and uh, and have the conversations like we're having so i'm glad we're discussing it today Absolutely. We're going to get Neil in on this as well in just a moment. Uh, But in the meantime, while we're talking about, yes, space and space aliens and UFOs and a Christian and biblical perspective on all these things, we do want to remind you that here on Earth in this life, uh, we have an opportunity to save babies' lives. We have an opportunity to stop abortions. You know, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. That's great. And I know a lot of you think, uh, hey, this is fantastic. Uh, We need to stop abortion in this country. Absolutely. But what can I do, right? I'm just one person. There is a lot you can do. Can you donate $280 right now, one time, one time, to save 10 babies' lives? Is it worth $280 to you to stop 10 abortions? I sure hope it is. Uh, what you do is you donate to Preborn. Preborn's pro-life ministry, they partner with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America showing ultrasound images of babies to expectant moms. And those moms choose life 80% of the time, statistically, when they see an ultrasound image of their baby. This is how Preborn was able to save the lives, literally, of nearly 44,000 babies last year in 2021 alone. 43,669 babies. And you know how many decisions for Jesus Christ there were along the way? 7,986. It takes about $28 on average to save one baby's life. $280 saves 10 babies. Would you donate 280 right now if you have not done it yet? It's this simple, folks. Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the tab to help save babies. Donate now. All right? Crawford Me- CrawfordMediaGroup.net. You can also call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This number, 833-850-BABY. And they're ready for your phone call right now. Let's save some babies' lives. Donate now to Preborn if you have not already. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil and Roger and uh, John and myself, Bob Duco, uh, we're talking about all things alien life, space aliens, UFOs, and such. Uh, Neil, to get you in on this, uh, your take on UFOs. Have you ever seen a quote-unquote UFO? And what is your take on some of these quote, UFO sightings that do appear to defy the laws of physics. They cannot just be a weather balloon, like, for example, my experience. Yeah, I, um, I've i never had any kind of personal experience like that. And by the way, guys, um, Bob you know, mentioned the whole story about what happened on the farm. He failed to mention it was a peyote farm, okay? But <laughs> other than that... Um, other than that. Maybe it actually happened. <laughs> Um, I don't want to, you know... Yeah, it was one of them special farms. (laughs) (laughs) I don't ever want to discredit a person's personal experience. Like, sometimes I've had someone call the show and say that they, you know, they got hit by a car, and they died, and they saw this white light, or they saw this terrifying thing, and then they came back. They were hovering over their body, then they came back, and... 
it led them to faith in Christ or helped them better understand the afterlife or something. I don't, I don't, I didn't have their experience. And, and sometimes I just say, well, I'm going to choose to believe that you're telling me the truth. We'll take it at your word. So I, I don't doubt for a minute that people see things that look confusing or unexplainable. And especially, you know, some of our fighter pilots and stuff that see things on their radar screens and whatever that all of a sudden disappear. And, uh, I think a lot of those are probably valid. Uh, you know, if you think about the fact, if you just read Luke chapter one, you've got the angel Gabriel. Uh, showing up, you know, to announce essentially that uh, to Zechariah that, you know, that John the Baptist is going to be born and don't be alarmed about this. And he appears to Mary to say that you're going to bear the, the Christ child. And like, so as you guys were referring to earlier, there's, there's a spirit world and there's a material world. And I think it was Roger referred to Ephesians 6.12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, there's angels and there's demons. And I just believe that some of the things that are manifest in this natural world are, in fact, demonic encounters. Not all of them. I think because, you know, the word also says that you know, don't be surprised because, you know, and, and show hospitality to strangers because sometimes you've entertained angels unaware, like that you had an encounter with an angel. And I've heard some of those type of testimonies on my program as well. I think you guys have. So um, I don't think we need to discount the fact that there is a spiritual world and that sometimes that veil is lifted and we're allowed to see across the great divide for whatever reason. But it's a great reminder that God's word again is true because it says that these things exist. Just exactly how you explain all the UFO sightings, and they don't even call them UFOs anymore. I forget what they call them these days. Um, but, you know, I just think that we should literally take it with a grain of sand and say, okay, yeah, it probably happened. Maybe it happened in, in the end. We're not afraid because we know how things turn out in the end, and there's no mention of us, you know, losing a great intergalactic battle to creatures from other planets. So let's have our confidence where it belongs, in the person of Jesus Christ, and, and then all of this will be revealed to us one day. You know, we're going to get a chance to ask these specific questions, like, hey, we did this podcast once, Lord, and we weren't really sure what we were talking about, because these things seem to exist, but what was that about? And I think God will gladly reveal to us what it was about. Sure. Well, and I'm not particularly surprised that that I experienced this uh, this thing on the farm that I did in talking about this because I we've talked about this before in previous podcasts when we discuss ghosts and haunted houses and such uh, that actually happens to be part of my testimony I, I grew up in what would be described as a haunted house if you will and for a, a big part of my youth and even into my teen years I used to see and experience all kinds of crazy things like this. I mean, I've seen with my own eyes stuff appear and disappear, stuff levitate, things move that aren't supposed to move, uh, doors opening and closing, people appearing and disappearing. I mean, the kind of stuff you see in these these horror movies uh, I actually experienced throughout my childhood, and many times I wasn't alone. I had other people there with me that saw the same thing. So for me, seeing this on the farm, it's just like, okay, well, I'll toss this onto the pile of stuff that you see. Now as a Christian, though, I look back and I realize it is all just a bunch of demonic trickery. And, you know, Roger, in talking about Satan and his demons and how he will try to deceive us in many different areas, these UFOs that people describe today, they'll point out that you'll see stuff like this, you know, in cave drawings from thousands of years ago and such. And and there have been ancient drawings of people drawing what appear to be flying saucers and space aliens and such. Uh, this doesn't tell me that, that we've been visited by aliens for the last 6,000 years. This tells me that Satan's been using his same old tired bag of tricks for the last 6,000 years and that we just shouldn't fall for it today. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, the idea that, well, you know, when you think about it, I mean, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8, then all of this mm -hmm. is happening all at once. You know, God can keep it all in order. What we're experiencing right now is our finite world here in July of 2022, as we call it, but, I mean, God's eternal. So, I mean, we, we have the space and time moments, you know, for us and for our benefit right now. And so toward that end, you know, in terms of what we've been seeing, you know, whether it's cavemen dwellings or, you know, this, that, and the other thing, I mean, these are, it's nothing new in God's economy. And so I think it's just the, the way we all try to make sense of it. And, you know, it's, it, I, I'm 
grateful, Bob, that you bring this to the the our attention in terms of having you know the experiences that you did, because I grew up in suburban Southern California, didn't have any of these issues. You know, in terms of we went to church on Sunday. My dad was the choir director. I mean, this is this is how I, I got my Revised Standard Bible when I was in the third grade, and we didn't have any of this stuff as part of our testimony. So it really is fascinating for someone like me who's kind of on the sidelines for this di- dialogue to to reach into this and say, you know. Of course, this is going to be something that that people will try to use, and we can be able to not only speak into it and say, "Okay, I believe you know God is the centerpiece of all of you know creation, all of everything in terms of what's good and evil, and, and we are worshiping Him and praising Him." But we see where the the enemy, you know, <laughs> the enemy tried to tempt Jesus. So I mean, if, if he's if he's not going to stop at Jesus, you know, what makes us think he's not going to try to you know pull exactly. the wool over our eyes as well? Right. Exactly. Uh, we're going to wind down this discussion coming up next uh, here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Uh, as we do, I, I just want to give one more appeal to those of you listening. Uh, first of all, if you have called Preborn and donated that $280 to save 10, 10 babies' lives, thank you so much for doing that. What a blessing. And, and let your, by the way, let your kids know that you're doing this, okay? Let them know that, hey, mom and dad are, are, are doing something to stop abortion. We're not just posting something online about our opinions. We're we're putting some skin in the game to actually stop abortions and save babies' lives. Uh, For the rest of you that haven't donated yet, I'm asking you to do it now. Okay, go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the tab to save babies, and we're asking you to donate right now $280. Why 280? Because the average cost of saving a baby's life is $28. This is done through ultrasound images being shown to expectant moms of their unborn babies. And 80% of the time, they choose life when they see that image. Well, it costs money to do this. The average, $28, saves one baby's life. So $280 saves 10 babies' lives. Would everybody do that? Now, some of you might be like, Bob, I'd love to. I just can't right now. Hey, fine. Do $140 and save five babies' lives. Do half. Some of you might be like, hey, Bob, I can do 280 I can do more than that. Hey, good. Do $2,800, save 100 babies' lives. It's all a tax write-off for you. And remember, 100% of the proceeds goes right to uh, ultrasound images. Zero to any kind of overhead. This is preborn. So CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the tab to save babies and uh, donate now if you would. If you want to do this by phone, you can call right now. They man the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So call this very minute, 833-850-BABY, and they'll take care of you right there, okay? 833-850-BABY. Kind of winding down our time on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John and Roger and Neil and myself, Bob. Uh, we've been spending uh, spending the hour out in space. Uh, NASA's images of deep space, fascinating to look at. People have been seeing these images, speculating on life on other planets and why we don't believe there's life on other planets. We don't, you know, God can do what he wants, but we just don't see biblically any reason to believe that God did create life on other planets. So what do we do with the UFOs, the UFO sightings? How do we understand them, contextualize them? Uh, to me, it's just demonic trickery. I think we're all in agreement on that. And John, as we kind of wind this down, John Rush, Rush Reason out of Denver, Colorado, it's not just UFOs. I think that Satan has a real interest and motive in trying to lure people into a fascination with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And UFO chasing is just one of it. But there's all kinds of other things. People get into uh, crystal healings, and they, they get into tarot card reading and palm reading. They get into mm-hmm. astrology and the zodiac. Uh, they get into reincarnation beliefs, certainly good luck, bad luck charms, uh, and such. Uh, ghosts and ghost chasing and haunted houses. What I honestly see here, John, and same thing with UFOs, I see a whole bunch of different Halloween masks, okay? Just like you can go go into a store at Halloween time, there's a mask of this president, there's a mask of that celebrity, there's a mask, whatever. You can put on different masks, but it's the same person behind the mask. I think that Satan and his demons, as masters of disguise, put on a whole bunch of different masks, and it's the same 
Satan and demons behind every single one of them. It's the same Satan and demons behind that good luck omen or that flat tire right after you, you know, whatever, saw a black cat or, or, or that, uh, that psychic reading or whatever it may be, that ghostly apparition or in this case, that UFO. I think it's the same Satan and his demons, just like, okay, this person's susceptible to be lured into mm-hmm. uh, outer space paranormal. Let me reach into my closet of masks and put on my UFO mask and see if I can trick that person there. That's honestly what, what I think is going on there, not just in UFOs, but a whole litany of deceptions that exist out there, yeah. John. No, I, I agree. He is the master deceiver, and I think uh, anyone, Christian or, or non, and granted, if you're not a Christian, you may not believe in Satan at all, but I think a lot of folks do, even if they're not you know, Christians. I don't know what the polls say on that, but I'd be shocked to... to uh, to, to think that the majority of people don't believe there is good and evil and that somehow Satan isn't on the evil end of things. And to your point, Bob, he is. Scripture even talks about it. He is the master deceiver. Now, there's times I think we give him a little bit too much credit. He's not omnipresent. I mean, there's a lot of things that Satan cannot do, but he's got an army of, you know, to your point, Bob, demons that can do his dirty work for him. I think the other thing, too, and this is something we've really never talked about on the podcast, but he's not dumb. I mean, a lot of times right. we, we, we don't really give him enough credit probably in that arena. What I mean by that is he knows each one of us, not the same way that God knows us, but he knows our weaknesses. To your point, Bob, he knows the things he can throw in front of us that are going to trip right. us up. And for every one of us, that's something different, by the way. For some, it may be this whole UFO paranormal end of things. For others, it could be anything under the sun from covetousness to you know idolatry to adultery to you name it. I mean, there's all sorts of things he'll throw, and I think he throws things at each individual according to what their weaknesses are, whereby we as Christians especially have to always be working on that end of it and not allow those things to happen. Absolutely. Uh, Neil, your your thoughts on that as well, because we're kind of winding down our time. But the, yeah. the deception of the enemy, the trickery that he uses, uh, he's got a lot of different uh, tricks in his bag of tricks. Uh, UFOs are just one of them. Yeah, no doubt. And, John, I really appreciate you bringing that up, because I think it's important to remember that Satan isn't stupid. Uh, he does right. not know us like God knows us. Praise God for that. But the reality is that he would do anything to destroy us if he can. And he knows our weaknesses, so he's going to go after them. And uh, let's keep our eyes focused on truth for that reason. And so what is truth? I mean, I was reading in preparation for this in John 16, uh, you know, Jesus saying, I still have much to tell you, but you cannot yet bear to hear it. In other words, you're not quite ready. However, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and he will declare to you what is to come. The bottom line is that the Holy Spirit is God and was given to us to lead us into all truth. In fact, John 14, 26 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, um, because uh, it literally uh, refers to the Trinity all in one verse. It says that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, uh, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. That's Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit and the Father. But it's the role of the Holy Spirit to reveal truth. And, you know, on our wall at WDCX, we have Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, how is it that we come to understand truth? Ultimately, we receive it by faith, but it's revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. It's revealed to us by the truth that's evident in God's Word. And it just grieves my heart, you know, in thinking about all the conversation today, how often in life, and for some of us it's not this UFO thing, but for some it is, you know, that we, we kind of think like, well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to discover truth. And when I find what that truth is, then I'll know whether or not I can believe in God. When the truth is, God is the truth. And that we look in every other direction except to him. I just spoke with Lee Strobel this week. Many of you know, you've all had him on your program, I'm sure. He wrote The Case for Christ and now The Case for Heaven, which is, by the way, streaming on Pure Flix. But um, what a fascinating individual. But he set out to prove that God didn't exist and in the process led himself to faith in Christ because these truths are irrefutable ultimately. And if we'll open ourselves up to the truth that God has for us, it will transform our lives. And we can have confidence to know that we are loved by God in the midst of this vast universe, that somehow we matter to him. As finite and tiny as we are and this little speck in the middle of everything, that we are loved by God. What an amazing reality that is. And it's that is the one thing the enemy doesn't want us to believe, that God exists and that we are loved by him. 
So uh, let's stand against it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Rod, Amen. Roger Marsh, let's give you a kind of maybe the final word on this, uh, Roger. You're a pastor as well as Neil. And uh, you know, we're talking about the whole UFO thing and space aliens and such, and what a distraction it really can be from the truth of who Jesus Christ really is. But we do need to recognize, Roger, we are in a spiritual battle. There is a very real enemy out there, and he tricks us, deceives us. John's right. He's not stupid. Satan knows uh, how to in a smart way lure vulnerable people in to uh, what they may be potentially interested in and so we need to recognize the reality of this and uh, I, I guess one of the extremes that's that's dangerous people don't want to, you don't want to go to one extreme where everything is demonic you know if you knock over your milk oh that's a that's a gravity demon <laughs> no you are clumsy okay <laughs> but we don't get, want to go to the other extreme either which is to dismiss the reality of spiritual warfare that's going on all around us uh, satan is a deceiver and he will do anything he can to kill steal and destroy and to convince you or any of us to go chasing after any of this kind of paranormal activity be it space aliens or anything else yeah you know when you think about what happens in the court of law if you're the defense attorney you don't have to prove that your client's completely innocent you have to prove that you they can't prove that he's guilty beyond the shadow of a doubt they only have to bring Mm -hmm. up that one little point and when you think about the initial sin that happened in the garden of eden it wasn't that satan said here come eat the fruit right now he said, did God really say you can't eat that? You know, I mean, it's very, very subtle the way he works. And so we're living in a time right now where everything is fight or flight. Everybody has to have an opinion on everything. We feel like we have to be an expert that quickly. And, well, I've got a smartphone, so of course I can be an expert that quickly. And we have a tendency to go into a polar extremes with just about everything. God is a very nuanced God in terms of, you know, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he is everything and knows every little detail about us right down to the number of hairs on our heads. Sorry, Neil, I had to throw that in scriptural, but you know what I mean. I mean, in terms of that, that, and, and he's counted he all the He knows every hair on Neil's head, is that what you're saying? Yeah, the, the ones yeah. that were, hey, trust me, I'm, I know that I'm, answer. Heading, I'm heading in Thanks, that direction John. too, so I know how that it's getting easier for God to count my hair too, that's for sure. But the reality is he knows us that intimately. He knows every little detail about us. And so the enemy is just trying to take advantage of one little weakness where God has rescued us completely. God is restoring us completely to wholeness. God loves us completely as we are and loves us too much to leave us that way. And the enemy is just trying to pick and print and do whatever he can. As John Dooley noted, he's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent, but God is. And mm-hmm. so when we have a you know, an attractive distraction like something like this, you know, it's like, oh, UFOs, I wonder what they mean. We could spend years you know trying to chase that rabbit hole but the reality Mm is for us in the body of christ if we're standing on that firm foundation of faith we can take a look at that and say wow that really is interesting that's really amazing let's bring it back to what's really important Mm -hmm. what's really behind that why are you so interested in all of that um deep down you're going to find that there are people as we saw during the covid pandemic you know who want to know what happens after you die they're afraid to die they don't know you know they, they talk a great game about having everything together and you know finding my truth and living my truth but the reality is if we're all made in God's image that we really deep down have a desire to know who he is and we want to know that he's a loving God who redeems and restores us who he is if we receive Christ as Savior but there are those who don't yet know that and we still have that mission you know to go into all the world and preach the gospel Mm -hmm. and use any means necessary so this is a perfect opportunity for us right now it sure is well uh, how about next week we come back to earth for uh, next week's podcast well, we always appreciate you folks listening to us uh, thank you great uh, word there Roger and certainly Neil and John and we appreciate all of you folks listening to us as well don't forget you can listen to uh, previous podcasts by going to crawfordmediagroup.net it's crawfordmediagroup.net and you'll see right there the round table all kind of previous episodes you can also listen Listen, of course, at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we get a lot of five-star reviews. We really appreciate that, folks. So, hey, keep giving the five-star reviews. Tell your friends about the podcast as well. Uh, and thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget, uh, Preborn, when you're at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the Preborn tab and uh, donate some money to save some unborn babies' lives, okay? Uh, and John Rush, Rush to Reason, out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California. Myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. Gentlemen, always great catching up with you. Thanks so much. Looking forward to next week. Always. Likewise. Have a great week. Thanks, guys.
You bet. We'll see you. Take care now. God bless everybody. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.